0: On DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break with Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton.
1: It is Monday, September 21st, 2020, season 16, episode number 27. Welcome to another edition of The Break. We are live from SWBC Mortgage Studios at the start. Got Dave and Amber joining us from their homes, and we got about 45 minutes to break down. What we saw yesterday, that was that was one of those games that I love being a part of because it's all over the place. There's so many emotions that you feel as the game's going on. There's so many moments that you think, oh, this is going one way, and then it flips. And then the great part about it is at the end of the day, the team that you're kind of rooting for actually ends up winning. So there's really nothing I have to complain about in that game, but we're going to break down everything. There was so much to break down in that game. Cowboys win 40-39. to 39. It was actually a historic game.
2: Wait, wait. Did you say there's really nothing you have to complain about in that game?
1: Yes. Well, at the end of the day, I mean, they won. At the end of the day, they won. So, yeah, there are going to be some complaints I have. And, Amber, you know because during the game I was losing my mind at certain parts. But, yeah, when you get a win, (laughs) it kind of changes changes everything. Uh, But it was a historic day for the Cowboys. Here's this this interesting thing I saw. ESPN uh, Stats put this out last night. Entering Week 2 of the NFL season – Teams, that were, teams were 440 to nothing when they scored 39 points and had zero turnovers since 1933. Like, in the history of the NFL, there's never been a team that scored 39 points, didn't have a turnover, and ended up losing the game. And yesterday, the Cowboys showed the Falcons how to get to that, that one, that lone one of those 441 games. So let's go around the table. I want everybody to tell me. What do you think is the biggest story coming out of this game? We're going to start first with you, Amber.
2: I think the biggest story uh, currently, I would say, is the questioning behind the coaching staff and the play calling and some of the decision-making, not just from, from this specific game, but also looking back at week one, I think there's still some questionable moments there as far as some of the decisions that were made. So... I would have to say the biggest conversation I've been seeing going around is just the question mark on whether or not uh, McCarthy and his group of coaching have been making the right decisions at the right time.
3: Nick? Um, I, I think it's, it's Dak Prescott. I mean, it's just it's playing the way he did. And, and you know, I've, I've been one to, to kind of question him being a, a clutch player. And, and, and he's still got more of that to do because, you know, he – this was one game, but he's you know he's got a good body of work leading up to this. In the last couple of years, he hasn't been uh, the team hasn't been as clutch, but they were on Sunday, and it starts with him. He, his he's a linebacker that plays quarterback. He's a he's tough as nails, and and he showed it in this game how resilient he was, and um, you know it was it was unbelievable. You know just just uh, the way he kind of led the team back like that. All of them did. I mean, and it was fortunate they were fortunate to win. But I thought, you know, Dak, I've been asking for it, and he showed it.
1: When you show his stat line, he was 34-47, 72 percentage completions and 450 yards, one passing touchdown, three rushing touchdowns, five rushes for 18 yards. First time
3: in the history of the NFL anyone's done that. Absolutely. Three rushing touchdowns and 400 passing yards.
1: And then one fumble. Had a phenomenal day statistically. Dave, what's the storyline of this game for you?
4: I'm so disappointed by the energy happening right now. And if we were all in the same room together, I would have cut y'all all off a long time ago. But it's hard to do over Zoom. But like, are you are you actually kidding me? I mean, Nick's 100% right. The story of the day is Dak Prescott. Like, whether it's four because he wears four, four because he scored four touchdowns, four because he threw for 450 yards, uh, he put the entire franchise on his back in a hopeless situation. Played like an absolute badass mofo i want to curse but i won't um i just think it's so big because i mean Dak's done stuff like that his entire career it didn't always look that flashy but even going back to his rookie year he's done stuff like that it didn't happen in 2019 it was it's the story of why they didn't get to the playoffs is because they came up short in these types of games obviously games not they weren't this crazy But they were on the short end of the stick every time they wound up in a one-score game. They flipped the script against every odd imaginable yesterday, and Dak Prescott was at the center of it all. Um, And he's one of the most confident guys I've ever been around, football player or otherwise. But I just have to imagine that he's feeling good today knowing, like, yeah, I, I still can do this. I did this six times in 2018, and here I am again pulling it out of the fire. Uh, My other big impression is like, listen, a whole bunch of stuff went wrong. There's a whole bunch of stuff we can criticize and we'll get to it, I'm sure. But like, that's why you're a football fan. Like, that's why you should love this sport is for stupid crap like that. And if you can't just (laughs) laugh at the absurdity and just say, wow, I'm, I'm thrilled that the team I care about got to be part of a win like that. Like that's that's why you do it. And and we can critique it because that's our jobs. But just just take a deep breath and have a nice laugh because that was incredible.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, Dave, because you wake up the mornings like this the day after games like that. And it's so fun listening to people around the nation responding. And I'm not talking about football. I'm talking about people around the nation and other sports, other athletes, other celebrities that were watching the game. And it's just funny just to listen to all the different, you know, everybody talking about this game. And at the end of it, Cowboys get the win. Like that's the fun of games like this uh, is that everybody's got an opinion. Everybody saw it. And it was just really, really, really fun to be able to be a part of it.
4: If the Cowboys had played that game in a national window like they usually do, instead of at noon during ten other games, we'd be talking about it as one of the best regular season games of the last like five, ten years. Which yeah. it still was, but it, it didn't have that, you know, it wasn't on its own. If it had been on its own in a primetime window, it would be It would be on another level than it already is.
1: Before we get to the moments that matter, I do want to stick with that topic of Dak Prescott. Nick, you brought it up and talked about how how clutch you thought he was in that game. I I saw a couple different things on social media where people were kind of like, well, he didn't play that great for most of the game. I think there is a perception out there that he didn't play great throughout the game. It was just clutch in the end. I take exception to that. I think of... All the players on the Cowboys team. I think he was one of the most consistent players throughout the game outside of the fumble. I don't know that I had a problem with anything else he did the rest of the day. What did you think?
3: Yeah, I agree. I I thought he, you know, yeah, he he fumbled early on, but that was the story of of everybody who messed up early in the game. I mean, they they redeemed themselves. Not everybody, but I'm just saying, you know, fumbled by by Dak, fumbles by Zeke, fumbled by Schultz. Uh, Goodwin drops the ball. You know, Fossil. You know, I mean, Fossil redeemed himself, and maybe it wasn't even what he did. His decision yesterday, but his decision a couple weeks ago or months ago to practice that kick. So a lot of them redeemed themselves. But I thought Dak. I, I, I thought. I mean, who comes from the tent? To A quarterback sneak who does that? I mean, it's like, are you, is your head okay? You, you have a concussion? No, okay, well, then go lead with your head and ram it into there to, to 20 players and see if you can score a touchdown. Go, okay. And he's like, okay, that's what he does.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what, did you, what did you guys think? You guys agree that the, I mean, pretty, pretty much throughout the game, Dak I thought was great. What did you guys think? Dave and Amber,
4: the first thing I did. The the first thing, sorry, AG, The first thing I did this morning was watch, uh, you know, the NFL put up a four-minute cut-up of all of Dak's big plays. It was four freaking minutes long. It was four minutes long, a a cut-up of his of his completions and his his rushing touchdowns. Yeah, he he fumbled. He was trying to do too much. I thought the entire team was pressing in the first quarter, and it only made it worse. Whether I mean. Anything from Tony Pollard making inexplicable decisions to take kicks out of the end mm-hmm. zone to, you know, guys fumbling because they're thinking ahead of time. Um, and they So, yeah, Dak does that. He's trying to do too much. He's trying to turn a busted play into a gain fumbles. And from there on out, honestly, what did he do wrong? He had one questionable throw in the third quarter that could have been picked. He was looking for Amari Cooper on the sideline and threw into double coverage. Other than that... I don't know that he made a bad decision the rest of the way. Uh, I, th- I mean, I thought he was fantastic from about the midway point of the first quarter through the end of the game. I think it's it's one of the three best games he's played in his career, if I had to guess.
1: As indicated by that seventy-two percent completion rate, that is a huge number. I think. Go ahead, Amber. What are your thoughts?
2: Um, I was gonna say that I'm the first one to make the, to start the whole argument of whether how great Dak is and the fact that he, to me, has always needed great players around him in order for him to be successful. It wasn't the case in this game, at least that's not how I took it. The way he played, I felt that he was, regardless of the mistakes, let's just forget about that. It wasn't a situation where I felt that he was forcing the ball to a specific player. It wasn't a situation where he was needing to rely on these great players specifically. And again, we know CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, they make great catches and great plays at at key moments, but at the same time, taking into account the fact that he didn't have the starting two tackles, he, he was able to play the game, and there wasn't a single instance where I was like, damn, Dak. (laughs) <laughs> what are you doing? He he was able to be a leader. He did he we know how much confidence he has in himself and the way that he is not able to get startled by the situation whether it's bad or not we saw him get out of the field hurt he had something I don't remember what it was but he was getting checked by the medical staff and then he got back right into the game made a play so he was just so consistent throughout the game as far as the kind of leader that you need someone to be in such a crazy game like that so to me he was absolutely amazing
1: what we're going to do is, we have these moments that matter. We started the segment last week. We're going to do it, continue it this week. Uh, and we're going to go through some of the big moments of the game. Obviously, there were a lot of questionable, at least I'll say this there were a lot of situations in that game where you questioned. Um, what the coaches were thinking and what players were thinking. So we're going to go through, I think I have like four or five of those that we're going to go through real quick. Uh, and actually what we're going to do is let's go ahead and take a quick early break. Uh, we got a couple minutes before our normal break. We're going to go ahead and take an early break. We're going to come back. We're going to jump into those moments that matter. And we're going to start with that first fake punt and talk about that and the circumstances around it. We'll do that when we come right back. This is dallascowboys.com radio.
3: back to the break cowboy fans have you picked up new gear for the 2020 season all new styles are arriving now visit your dallas cowboys pro shop or shop.com DallasCowboys.com for the newest arrivals
1: yeah if you get a chance to go check out that 60th anniversary uh hat collection Pretty good stuff. If you like those '90s hats, uh, they got some of those in there <laughs> that are pretty sweet. And actually, one of my favorites is that they, they got the old the old D hat. That I I, I think this well, was around during Landry's Landry time. Yeah. It has like the trucker style in the back, you know? Old mesh. Yeah, it's yeah. called mesh, but yeah, they call them trucker style hats. I'm but not, anyway, I yeah, they, I love that hat. I got a, I got one of those. So make sure you go check that are out, out on our uh, Cowboys Pro it's Shop like for Derek. Yeah. Is that not what it's for?
3: <laughs> it is. Okay,
1: good. All right. So we're going to get into the, stop, Dave. We're going to get into the moments that mattered here, and I got four of them for you guys. I'm going to walk you through these, and I want you guys to tell me what you think um, the significance wa- was of these plays and some of the decision making that was made in them. Let's start first with the first quarter. It's 5:57 left in the first quarter. Atlanta's up 14-0. It's fourth and fourth. The Dallas 29. So they're backed up in their own territory. And Dallas runs a fake punt where Chris Jones attempts a pass to C.J. Goodwin. Pass is low. Goodwin can't make the catch. Do you think it was a good decision there in your own, backed up that far in your own territory down 14-0 to be able to go for a fake punt? Let's start first with you,
4: Dave. This is a really classic case of, like, your opinion being dictated by the result. And I I felt it at the time. I was like, man— awfully early to be this desperate like you have that little faith in your defense that you think you got to do this right here on this yard line uh to keep this thing from getting out of control like maybe put a little faith in your defense they've already forced a punt or two uh having said that if chris jones throws a better pass or cj goodwin doesn't slip looking back for it it's amazing and we're talking about it like it's amazing you know the um the chris jones fake four years ago where he ran for 40 yards against philadelphia comes to mind i don't remember the specific circumstances but it was an aggressive call and everybody loved it because it worked like gangbusters so um i you know it felt desperate at the time but i'll just say i like the thought that they're going that they are going to be this aggressive we know john fossil loves to fake punts and and do stuff like that i'm in favor of it as a trend even if i didn't love it at the time amber
2: I I liked it. I I liked the call. I I, I thought we've been asking for creativity and for them to be, you know, uh, risky in certain scenarios, and that's exactly what they gave us. But it comes down to execution. I don't don't know how often they've been practicing this uh, during their practices. Is this something that the coaching staff was feeling comfortable with their players making or being able to make that kind of play? I don't know, but... It just comes down to the player. I thought the call was great, but it, it they were lacking in execution.
3: Nick, um, yeah, I, I actually got a got some wind that this might happen, and I had a conversation with someone about that they he'll throw the ball to C.J. Goodwin or Cedric Wilson, and I my my question was why C.J. Goodwin? Why, why don't you throw <laughs> it to a receiver? He's yeah. like, well, whoever's going to be open. But you know, to Dave's point. That was that – was, I don't know if it was desperate because they were – that was like on Friday. They're like, they're going to do this at some point, and then they're going to find the time where the look is yeah, right. fair. So the, the look was right, and, and C.J. Goodwin's going to be more open because he's really fast, and he's one of the best special teams players on the team, if not the best. And so when he's running, I mean, they, they, they know that if he stops, he's going to be wide open. The pass was lower than it needed to be, and he fell, and he didn't look like a receiver, but, I, you know <laughs> – I regret not – I was going to mention that to you guys. I was like, watch watch for this because it could, it could happen because I didn't think they were going to do two fake punts. But, I mean, I I just think it was a look they were looking for. And, you know, Chris Jones has got to throw the ball better than that.
1: Yeah, actually, I love this call. And, and during the game, I actually love the call because you're already down 14-0. You kind of want to get something going and yeah. establish some momentum and, and try to flip the game a little bit. And to me, the the call was great. I mean, they obviously – whatever they saw and whatever they were working on – It presented itself there. They just didn't execute it, and that you put on the players. I don't put that on the coaches. I think it was a good decision. I think the timing was good. I just think in that situation, the players got to execute, and they didn't do it very well, and that's where you run into the issue of, well, the guy is a uh, a special teams player and a backup secondary player. Like The likelihood that he's going to run a great route and catch it, Yeah, you're kind of playing with it, playing with fire a little bit there, but... At the end of the day, yeah. I think the call was right, and I think uh, I didn't have a problem with them doing it. Let's move on to the next mo- moment that matter mattered. Uh, it was 7:04 left in the third quarter. Atlanta is up 21-17. I'm sorry, 29-17. It's third and two at the Dallas 41. Uh, Gage gets a direct snap. He throws a deep pass to Julio Jones, and Jones drops it. Now, of course. That's not what you would expect to see from Julio Jones. Uh, already in Dallas territory, Atlanta lines up to go for the fourth down conversion, only to get a penalty uh, for having too many men on the field, and that forced them to punt it. My question for you guys is if Atlanta scores on Jones' drop, probably don't lose the game. You guys agree or yes. disagree with that call?
3: 100% agree. I just did a video for
1: both. Yeah, Bose.
0: no, they absolutely won the, the game. Yeah.
3: That was, the, in my opinion, the biggest play of the game. You guys agree with that? The, the whole sequence of yeah. that. and then not Because they're not going to get stopped on fourth and two. That's why they did it on third and two. Because they're not going to stop you on fourth and two. They didn't stop you all game until they, they get a penalty. But it was the stop the Cowboys needed, and then they flip it, and Amari gets that long catch, which they needed a big, quick touchdown to go the other way. So that whole sequence is, to me, the difference of the game. How shocked were you
1: guys? Oh, go, ahead, have... go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. Go ahead.
4: No, I just – I I have to laugh because you know there's there's a fatalist type of cowboy fan and given how long the Cowboys have been waiting to win another Super Bowl there's a lot of them and people are always like oh we we never get those breaks that stuff never happens to us it's always us doing the dumb stuff and I mean that Shame. that is a break that is that was such a ridiculous break <laughs> That's a good point. (laughs) The best receiver in football drops an open touchdown pass, and then you make a boneheaded decision like that that robs you out of uh, getting points or being able to go for it on fourth down. Yeah, if if either one of those plays goes a different way, we're we're talking about a loss. There's no doubt in my mind. You know where that happens? I was talking to a coach
3: after the game, and he was saying – a high school a high school coach not not one of the coaches, but he was saying that that happens when you do personnel like that when your quarterback goes over here and you've got like gauge throwing it it messes up your whole personnel so then they get in there and then he thinks he's staying on the field and all of a sudden that kind of led to the fourth down mm-hmm. which i didn't even i don't think about that kind of stuff but yeah but yeah I mean so it's just all small little things just a five yard penalty but that that wiped him. You know, off the field, and then that was the break the Cowboys needed. But, yep. yeah, Julio Jones dropping that pass like that. like,
1: How shocked are you guys that the Cowboys were able to hold Julio Jones to only two catches? He only had four targets, but two catches for 24 yards. Do you think that was more a function of the defense, which we're going to talk about the defense a mm. little bit later? But you think that was more of the defense, or do you think Julio just had a, a rough day?
4: Dave?
2: Wasn't he dealing with an injury?
4: He was listed he with a hamstring, yeah. I will say this though. He ran
3: right so I think by that plays into
2: the whole thing a little bit. Yeah,
1: but I will say What'd this. what did you say? I, I have watched. I have watched Julio Jones play a lot of football because he's been on my fantasy team a lot of years. Even when he's hurt, that what we saw yesterday is not typical Julio Jones. He still makes plays even when he's hurt. The guy's a machine. So. Ran right
3: by Trayvon Diggs yeah. on that. On that should have caught that one, right. I mean, didn't he just? Maybe Trayvon wasn't ready. Yeah. I really like him though. Trayvon Diggs.
1: Yeah. If he can just actually catch the ball, I, he's, nah, gonna be, he's gonna be—he's yeah, no, gonna no, 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 no. I, I didn't say it was a drop. I what know. I said was he makes some extraordinary right. plays, like him getting in position to even be able to knock that ball down. Yeah, that takes extraordinary that was, talent. That was
3: outstanding. I thought his ability—if he can sport.
1: catch it—now yeah. he turns into that next level player that they've been looking for at the cornerback position for a while. Right?
3: I bet you. I bet if it was the other way around, they might have called interference on the on, if it was the defensive guy. You know, if he. Because you can't close someone's hands like that, can you? I i don't know. On offense, it doesn't work. Hey, the Cowboys got another break. They got an offensive pass interference that, that, that they didn't call this week. Did you mm. see that? See yeah. Jay- I mean, it was yeah. It was ticky tack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the guy also flopped too, and you're like, I'm sorry, you're not Jalen Ramsey. I mean, Jalen can flop and he gets it. Yeah. You can't flop. You'd get up. Yeah. Who are you? He just
4: lost the game because he was trying to, you know, get a get a charge. <laughs> sorry. All right, we're gonna... I would have to go back and Good you know, I'd have to I'd have to I'd have to watch the tape for sure to see what the Dallas defense did to Julio. It's fair to say he struggled cuz he dropped a touchdown pass, but that's what I always say is like, I mean, Ridley and Ridley Gage and Hurst ate him alive. So yeah. I, you know, I I think the Cowboys probably focused on Julio, but it's it's not like they shut down the passing attack, so
1: and they did score 39 points. So Something worked for them. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the next moment that mattered. This is fourth quarter, 12.53 left in the fourth quarter. Atlanta's up 36-24, and it's fourth and five at the Dallas 40. Dallas runs another fake punt. This time it is a direct snap to Darian Thompson. Do you like this decision to go for it on fourth down? Let's start first with you, Nick.
3: No, not I didn't like that one because, again, you've got Pollard in there, and, and like it's like... <laughs> Let your running backs run the ball, not not your safety. And if fourth and five, if the Cowboys lined up on offense, would they run Zeke up the middle on fourth and five? I doubt it. I mean, they might. But it's like, if you're going to just do that, then why don't you let the guy that's already got 375 yards passing, why don't you just let them try to get five yards if you really want to go for it? Don't give it to Darian Thompson to run the ball up the middle with those blockers. That, that's not Connor Williams up there. That's like Joe Thomas. and. Dalton Schultz blocking, so I didn't didn't like that call. Amber?
2: Absolutely agree. I think that if that was their decision going in, they should have just like they always say, you want your best guys on the field. So if you're going with that mentality that you're just going to go try to get those uh, five yards, then keep your best guys on the field and make it happen. Uh, So I completely agree with everything that Nick said. I, I don't think that was the right call for me.
1: Dave?
4: It has, it has been a long—I can't remember hating a call more than I've hated that. Like, <laughs> anything Jason Garrett ever did, I can't remember a time where I hated something more than I hated that. Because what, what's, what is the benefit of a fake? It's that the defense doesn't see it coming, right? right? Who in their right mind would be surprised by a fake when you're down by 12 in the fourth quarter? You know you We've need to generate offense. You know you need to stay on the field. You've already faked it. Your special teams coordinator has a reputation for faking it. Put your offense on the field and just go for it. Nobody is surprised by that. I hated it so much, Uh, and I mean Amber and Nick already covered it, but yeah, I I thought it was awful. Yeah, I'm glad. Go
1: ahead. No, no, I'm I'm glad we all agree because that's exactly the way I looked at it. I didn't have a problem with them going for it on fourth down. It was all about the fact that there was no surprise in doing a fake punt at that point. So put your your offense, which by the way. Your offense was clicking. That was the part of the game where they were actually moving the ball pretty well. Take a shot. Go for it on fourth down. Put your guys out there. Let them actually make a play and see if you can get a first down and keep the chains moving. Let's move on to the final memorable moment that I wanted to talk about this one uh, happened in the fourth quarter, about 4.57 left in the game. Uh, Dallas is down 39-30 to 30 at this point. Dallas scores a TD on a pass from, Dalk, uh, from Dak to Schultz. Uh, by the way, really, really, I thought, really, really great route. And we'll talk about Schultz a little later in the show as well. But I thought it was a really great route. I thought it was a really great pass. They convert. They get the touchdown. Mike McCarthy opts to attempt a two-point conversion rather than take the point after touchdown. Uh, after the game, Mike McCarthy was asked about it, and he says, uh, that he would prefer to know earlier than later whether he would need to score twice, which is an interesting take that I'd never really heard a coach put out there before. My question for you guys is: Do you agree with the strategy? Let's start first with you, Amber.
2: No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I I keep going back and forth, and I, I wish I had it. I, I wish I wrote it on a piece of paper because I had it on my phone, on my notes, and I kept writing every single scenario. I'm like, let me try to make sense of this. Uh, reasoning as to why you would try to go for a two-point conversion in this specific play at this time of the game and honestly it came down to me not being able to make much sense of it I would have rather get into a point where I can tie the game rather than risk it on that last play of the game where I'm sure we're gonna talk about it in, in depth here with the kick but That's that's so so improbable. I I think that they got lucky in that play and they won the game because the Falcons didn't do what they were supposed to do. And I know that there was some some confusion there as to, okay, at what point should you grab the ball? At what point do you go for it or what? But they they just got really, really fortunate and it, it ended up working in their favor this time. But just going back of it, I just cannot make much sense of that call.
1: Dave,
4: let's let's lay let's lay this out and give it some context, because it's I mean, this is a you could you could write a thesis about this if you wanted to like this wasn't a willy nilly decision on Mike McCarthy's part. There's been a ton of study done about this. The numbers show that it is actually a sensible thing to do. We've seen coaches like Doug Peterson do this before. If you think back to the Eagles Packers game last year, I believe the Eagles scored to take a seven point lead and Doug Peterson went for two and he didn't get it. But again, the numbers bear that out. Like you can look at the charts and say, this is what the numbers people say you're supposed to do. So it's not like Mike McCarthy pulled this out of thin air. There's a ton of stuff out on the internet that you can read about why it makes sense. Me personally, and I will acknowledge, I'm terrible at math. That's why I became a writer is I don't (laughs) understand stuff like that. Um, But at the same time, I, I can't fully wrap my head around it. The idea is that... And Mike McCarthy said it. You want to know as quickly as possible what you need or what you don't need. So it's almost like um, it's almost like Pavlov's or not Pavlov's dog. Uh, Schrodinger's cat is like the two point conversion is just kind of hanging out there in the ether. And the sooner you figure out whether you have it or not, the better off you are. And and it worked in the Cowboys' favor. They caught every break it imaginable, and 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 they made it work. But in my mind, I think you have a better chance of kicking the extra point there and then it is an eight-point game and you take it down to the end and, and you either get the extra point or you don't, but at least you don't have to get two more possessions. You only need one. And, and I can hear the analytics people right now. The Cowboys tried that against the Jets last year and they lost on the two-point conversion. So it's not guaranteed to work, but the thought that you're going to get the ball two more times in less than five minutes is crazy to me. And what's even crazier is that it actually worked out. Like, you're talking about a .01 probability, and the Cowboys got it yesterday, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around it.
1: Nice shout-out there on Schrodinger's cat. I love that that reference. All right, right. go ahead, Nick.
4: Which, I'll just say, I st- all that stuff said, I still don't like it. I still don't like it, but there's way smarter people who say it's the right thing to do. So, whatever.
3: All right, Nick. They can sit right here, and I'll I'll argue with them all day. I don't care. I've said it a hundred times. McCarthy can sit right here with the Super Bowl ring in my face, and I'll argue with them. Terrible call, terrible decision. (laughs) You don't do that at all. And I agree. I mean, it's what they just said. You, you you need to know what you need to do. Like he wants to find out what he wants. Hey, the Falcons have scored thirty-nine points on your ass the whole game. You need to stop them. That's what you need to do, and you need to stop them once, not twice. So, like, I don't know what else. You, you, what else? analytics sound great but the game is telling you what's happening the game is telling you and what i hate about it is is that if you get the when you get the ball back and you're down by 9 you got to score twice your offense i mean your best player is zeke and he can't really be a factor because you now have to score twice you have to run down it worked out for them that's great but to me that i think i think it was a terrible decision to do that and I, I I see it happen all the time now. I see coaches do it, and I I definitely don't understand it. But yeah, it, it worked. It didn't work because of that. It just worked out. It didn't work because it's like, oh, they went for two. It, it worked. They got lucky. They went. They they. You can't tell me you're using analytics if you're going to rely on an onside kick. Which is the, what is the percentage of that? Nine percent? Eight percent? So I don't know. Six. Six percent. I mean, it's just, it it worked out for them, but. Man, I, I thought that was a terrible move. Yeah, I. It's the interesting part here
1: to me is, I kind of see this. I see the point on both sides. I was, by the way, I was losing my mind when he did it, thinking, "What was that? That is a horrible." I, Nick, I texted you. I was like, "I'm, I'm starting to worry a little bit about the coach's ability to make the right call because I don't know if that's a good call. Like that just, and I'm combining with it with other calls that I've seen over the last two and weeks that reference
3: I'm like, another text that I sent to you. Oh yeah, Nick Nick did say in the
1: first quarter twenty to nothing. First quarter, Nick did say they were going to win this game, but that's a typical Nick calling the kickoff like that is
3: it, that is Nick, so Nick. Nick does that I put it it on Twitter. He does. he does. Don't act like I didn't put it on Twitter. No, I mean, you did I put it out there. You did. You absolutely did. No, you did you absolutely did. But. but. It was a hinge on that 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 play. Like they have to stop him here because twenty right. four nothing. I'm not in, right. but I'm in on twenty nothing, but not twenty four. <laughs> but but I think the interesting thing is
1: what you always hear from coaches. What I've always heard from coaches over the years. I've watched football and played football when I was in high school. Was you always keep yourself in the game as long as you possibly right. can, and that's the purpose of taking the extra point. You take the extra point and you defer the 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 thing of having to go for two until later because you just want to keep giving your team hope and giving your team the opportunity to know that, hey, if we get this touchdown, then all we need is a two-point conversion rather than, hey, we need a point, we need a touchdown, we need an extra point, and then we got to get the ball back and go down and score again.
3: You know, you can make the argument that going for two uh, actually lost the game for the Falcons mm. because they're up 26-7. Right. to seven. They decide they just want to go up a, a nice, even 21 points. Why? I mean, just just keep taking points until you need it because it would it would have changed some things. Now you you lost by one point. Yeah, the game would have been a little bit different. But I mean, at that point in the game, third quarter, just just keep taking your points. Taking now, your points.
1: I will say this one one of the arguments that I've heard is, hey, you're going to have to get a two point conversion either way. At one at some point, you had to get a two point conversion here, and so you're going to have to go for it. So why not go ahead and go for it early? And then, again, it goes back to what Mike McCarthy said, you at least know where you are in the game rather than you miss it with the like in the Jets game. You don't get the two-point conversion, and then everything's done. My argument back to that is you're probably still in the same boat. You still now have to go and get a an onside kick, which they were somehow miraculously able to convert, and then go down and get a field goal. So I don't know that that changes anything. My point is that you still put yourself in a situation early where you did, to some degree, make your team feel like there was a, a, a larger uphill climb in order to tie or win that ball game, um, that you put yourself in by taking that two-point try yeah. early. I, th- I still think the right call is to go ahead and take your extra point there. Go ahead, Dave.
4: I'll, st- I'll steal this line from uh, my buddy, Cowboys Stats and Graphics, which like you should follow that account on Twitter. It's, it's great, which he said last night. If you can divorce yourself from the idea that losing late is better than losing early, you can open yourself up to this line of thinking, which I appreciate that. Like, it, he's not wrong, but I, I, I just can't get all the way there because I think purely analytical people, like, they want football to be baseball so badly, and it's, it's just not for me. Like, some of these, these decisions don't happen in a vacuum. That's a great point. If you go for too early and don't get it, you run the risk of demoralizing the entire team, Mm -hmm. which maybe that's not, you know, maybe that, maybe that's not right. Maybe you should have a more professional mindset, but human nature is what it is. There are so many ridiculous moving parts that go into every facet of a football game that you can't approach it from a purely analytical standpoint. In my opinion, love analytics. I think they're great, but sometimes I do think like gut feeling and all that other stupid crap come into play now of course the irony is that it worked out for the cowboys it did uh i think if you do if you run that sequence if you run that sequence 99 times i think you lose 100 i mean i'm sorry if you run it 100 times i think you lose 99 but who am i to talk too much trash when they pulled it off
1: i mean they really needed a miraculous moment which was that that i mean that uh, onside kick without that Then we're talking today about the fact that you didn't give your chance. I don't think you gave your team the best chance to win by keeping them in a situation where it could come down to that final two-point conversion. We're going to go ahead and take our final break. When we come back, I do want to talk about a couple players and how they performed yesterday, including Dalton Schultz. Nick, uh, you you mentioned that last week. We'll talk about that when we come right back. This is dallascowboys.com radio.
0: Back to the break. You
3: can still tour AT&T Stadium, the home of the Dallas Cowboys. You can run on the field, see the locker rooms, and so much more. AT&T Stadium tours presented by SeatGeek are available daily. Visit at for details.
1: Yeah, interesting. Speaking of AT&T Stadium yesterday, Cowboys were able to get 21,000 people into the stadium. Um, and all by all accounts, it looks like it was pretty successful. They had people in the pods based upon, you know, you kind of sat with your friends and family that were with you. Everybody else was socially distant. And um, I don't know it was a nice environment. It was nice to be back in an environment where you actually could hear crowd noise. And it's... and uh, it felt like a regular game to me as opposed to week one that felt very, very
3: weird. Yeah, it, it where i was sitting i was away from you guys but uh which sucked but i i was sitting in a spot where the the you know the window was open so you could kind of hear the crowd and um somebody um um but when they got the onside kick i mean that seemed loud to me i mean that seemed like that was uh, not as loud as it could be but mm-hmm. i didn't really notice i mean it seemed like it was a big deal
0: yeah
1: no, it was good. It was it was, it was fun good. to be in that environment, and uh, certainly after so many so many months of being isolated, it felt good to be in an environment where there were people and uh, and they were actually enjoying a game together. So,
3: what happens when it's really cold, like in December? You're gonna keep the keep it open like that. I think, I think they think you will. You have to. Yeah, right? I think yeah. you have
1: to. I think you need to. And, yeah. and by, up, baby. And by the way, even at that, it's not going to be nearly as that cold was... as if you're doing an outside game in Pittsburgh, and they managed to filter stadium during a normal season. So I, yeah, think,
3: I think you'll be fine. The Cowboys have to play in Cincinnati and right. Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, it's, I know. it's not
1: going to be that bad. It'll be fine. All right, real quick, I did want to, before we end the show, talk about a couple players and their performances yesterday. Dalton Schultz comes to mind. He was a guy that we've given – like, we've talked a lot about how he's not the answer. Um, and I think when Blake Jarwin – I caught
2: him last week.
1: Yeah, you did. You absolutely <laughs> cut him on last Monday, I think it was. Uh, Blake Jarwin goes down, and I think all of us agreed across the board – that the Cowboys needed to do something. They need to consider something. I know I was looking for, pushing for them to go and look at Delaney Walker. But yesterday, Dalton Schultz shows up in a big way for this team. He does have the fumble early in the game, but he comes back. He has 10 targets. He catches nine of those passes for 88 yards and a touchdown. My question is, at this point, do you feel like the Cowboys, between Schultz and Bell – uh, have enough at tight end for you to feel comfortable with the tight end position moving forward for the rest of the season. Let's start first with you, Nick, because you were the one that called this on Friday saying you expected Schultz was going to have a big game.
3: Well, Yeah, I expect us to, our expectations of him to be a little bit better. I don't know if I'm still comfortable with that. I mean, I do think his nine catches, 88 yards, was a product of the game, uh, being more wide open, stuff like that. I don't think he is your prototype Tight end to to be the blocker and catcher and all that stuff, um, but he, he did a nice job and, and and he he did catch the ball well. Um, again, I don't think in a twenty one to, to, to seventeen type of game that he's he's the right answer there. But I I think mean, he's he's got a spot for sure. And I thought he did a nice job catching the ball and all that. Uh, he, he surpassed my expectations. I thought he would be better than than he was last week, but not not to this point. But I still think you know he's not. I mean, he's not like the guy that's just going to be overpowering at the line of scrimmage. Dave.
4: Um, well, I mean, I got to give him a shout out first because, yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody killed him last week, myself included. I'm not like trying to not be part of that. Everybody was very critical. Even going back, you know, people were saying he might not make the team out of training camp. There's competition. Yada, yada. I thought he played great no disrespect to him. Like all I'm doing is I'm putting a pin in it. Like this is something that I'm monitoring week by week. He played great. I don't think Atlanta's defense is anything special. I don't think you're always going to be in a situation where you're just absolutely airing it out all the time like this. Um, Yeah. I mean, Nick, Nick is right. The stats kind of get skewed. You're probably asking your tight ends to do less in the running game when you're trailing by two scores in the second half. So I, I was really impressed. So I'm not looking. I'm not looking for tight ends right now. But I'm also not just satisfied. And you know we're all good at the tight end position. But I thought he was great.
1: Amber, you still want to cut him?
2: <laughs> I mean, Just like that, Dave said, I'm gonna put a ping on that one. I, <laughs> I mean, it was great. It was forgetting the the first part of the game because everyone played bad basically, but. Forgetting that, I thought it was really nice and credit to him for making the plays that he did. It was nice to see him take some of what he did during training camp and apply it into an actual game. I was one that really, really doubted him and said I didn't think he would be able to carry that from training camp into a game. So kudos to him, but at the same time, am I fully convinced? Absolutely not. I need to see more. I think the Cowboys will won't go out and get a tight end i think that after what they saw there maybe they just kind of stay put for another week and keep going uh with what they have but i'll say this i don't think he would have a game such a game against a better defense so i think that next week he might it, it might get ugly a little bit there but great job for him in this game
1: you know i will say this one thing i think i've learned about him is I think he what – what I'm trying to convince myself of is that he just is what he is. And he's not going to be that great all-around tight end that's a great blocker and a great pass catcher. What he is is he's a guy that can catch the ball pretty well. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that can win when he is the fifth option on the offense. So basically defenses are going to say, in most instances they're going to say, We'll let that guy have one guy. Like, we're not going to double Dalton Schultz. we got too many other problems to deal with. And I think he can win in some of those scenarios. So when you look at it from that standpoint, this type of high-powered offense, which yesterday they get the 40-burger. It's something we've thought that they could be uh, since they got C.D. Lamb. right? So I think when you look at it from that standpoint, and even going to Amber's point, I I think even a great defense – uh, a really good defense. I think when you look at how they're going to play the Cowboys, they're still going to be focused on a lot of other guys before they get to Dalton Schultz. And I think Dalton Schultz is going to be the guy that's going to be the benefactor there. He's going to be the guy that's going to get a lot of opportunities this year. And I think in those situations, I think he's shown that he can kind of catch the ball and and a lot. Now, I still question sometimes he makes some bonehead decisions. We've seen that before when he's gotten on the field. But that all being said, yesterday made me a little more – um, a little more comfortable in the idea that I think he could play this role on this team with these weapons pretty well, and it made me feel pretty good about what they can do with him and with Blake Bell. All right, here's what I'm going to do. Real quick, we, we're going to end the show, but it's amazing to me that we were able to get to an entire show coming off a game where both starting offensive tackles did not play, oh. and that was not the storyline of the
3: game on of the show on Monday. I thought you were going to refer to the play that everyone's talking uh, yeah. about, but we did not talk.
1: about We did not talk about, but that's another one that we're going right. to get to tomorrow. So not make sure you problem. tune in tomorrow. We got a lot more stuff we got to dissect from this game, uh, and we'll do some of that tomorrow. We'll also give you guys a bigger picture look at the NFC East. There's a lot going on in this division, and a lot of it is actually helping the Cowboys. I think long term. So we'll we'll talk about all that tomorrow. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia. I am Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio.
0: This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How
5: about this, Cowboys? Yeah!